0: Today's scripture reading comes from Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 through 22. Again, that's Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 through 22. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Hear now the word of the Lord. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth, with it, with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying." This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household. Then the Lord will be my God, and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. This is the word of the Lord.
1: So, I asked Sam, Pastor Sam, to lower the stand for me. And I told him I'd be really offended if he lowered it too much, but um, it's perfect, so thank you. I was sitting there, and I was thinking, that's too short. (laughs) Uh, Obviously, it's not. It's perfect, so thank you. Um, I am excited to be able to share the word with you today. It's funny. I feel like um, God is so good to me, and he's allowed me to... Uh, Really spend time digging into a passage, a story that I've always loved. And I was just telling one of our people, actually. When I was young, uh, I had this routine before I slept. Um, Every night, I would, before going to bed, I would read um, the Bible. But before you think that I am really holy, um, it's really because it was a picture Bible. And um, because it was a comic book. It's like the Bible, but in comic. And so I loved it. And I would read it every night for hours. Um, And so I loved these stories. And there were some stories I would read and I would think, thank God I was not born back then. Like um, slavery in Egypt. I would have been the first one to be eliminated because I am useless. um, Not too strong. So, So I used to think, I really actually used to think, thank God I was not born in that time. Um, But there are some stories, and I read it, and I would think, gosh, it would have been awesome to have been there, to be a part of what took place, to witness what um, had happened. And this story, as they call it, Jacob's Ladder, is one of those stories. And so God is really good to me, and I had a lot of fun um, learning more about this passage, learning more about what actually took place. And it's a lot different deeper than I knew when I was reading my picture Bible. Um, And so I want to share with you today, and I hope that the spirit of God opens our hearts and that he opens our ears to hear what he has to say. And I think it's just so cool to be able to dive into and look at what Jacob went through when he encountered God for himself the very first time. And as we look into this, um, I hope the same thing happens to you that happened to me as I was preparing this. That God would remind you of the awesomeness of that first encounter you had with God. Um, And if you haven't encountered God yet, I pray that he would encounter you. And if not here, that he would put in your heart a desire to encounter him for yourself. And that it would stir in our hearts an eagerness to see more of him in our lives. And so I pray that that's what would happen. And so we're going to go right in. Verse 10, the story begins like this. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. And this is a really important um, verse because it tells us something. And what it's telling us is that Jacob has left his home And that's big. He has left all that he has known his whole life. He has left what he is comfortable with, what he is familiar with. And he is headed for something he does not know. He's headed for Haran, and it's a place he's never been to. He's going there to meet his uncle Laban, whom he's never met before. And all because he is seeking refuge because his own brother wants to kill him because he stole bur- both his birthright and his blessing. And so this is kind of where Jacob is at when he sets out on this journey and they say that this journey was approximately 550 miles. I don't know if that's true, but that's what I read. And he's at, if that's true, at this point he's only approximately at 70 miles into his journey. Like not even half. And he has to stop because it's nighttime and he has to rest. And the the author says this, Jacob stops at a certain place for the night, and no name is given. You know, Kenny read it at the end of the passage. It's actually called Luz or Luz. But at this point in the narrative, this place has no significance to Jacob at all. And so the the author says he stops at a certain place, has no name, a no-name place. And there's nothing special to mention about this place as far as Jacob is concerned. And he has to use a stone for a pillow, which tells us he's sleeping outdoors. And, you know, you know how Koreans sometimes they sleep on that hard pillow? I don't think that's why. I don't think it's because Jacob thought it would be good for his spine. It's because that's all he had, right? He has nothing else, really. He maybe has a clothes on his back, and it says later on in, in Genesis that he had a staff. That's all he had on him. And so he's in the middle of nowhere, away from his family, headed towards something that is unknown to him. And he stops at this no-name place, sleeping outside with a stone for his pillow. And it doesn't tell us exactly what is going on in Jacob's head, in his mind, in his heart. But we can kind of get the sense where he's at physically, emotionally even socially, set apart from everyone else he knows. And I want to speak to you today about this, especially if you are in this kind of place where things are uncertain, you feel isolated and alone, you don't know what is ahead of you, you don't even know where you're at. The road seems so far, the journey seems so far from your destination And I want to share with you, especially if you're in this place, what happens when God appears to you in the middle of it? What happens when God shows up and he appears to you when you're in the middle of this kind of place? Because that's what happens to Jacob. In the middle of the night, a fugitive on the run unsure of where he is going, in the no-name place, God comes to Jacob. And he comes to him in one of the most, I think, profound visions um, in all of the Bible. And he, it's not just a dream. What Jacob experiences is a real encounter with God. Like he has a real visitation from the living God, and that's what happens. And in this glorious dream, the veil of heaven is opened up momentarily. For Jacob to see what is going on, and so Jacob falls asleep and he is in this. He has this dream, and what Jacob sees is this huge stairway. You know, some versions say ladder, but you know a ladder. Um, I think Eugene Park and Juman Kim went up on a ladder to put these curtains up, and if you know, if we were to use that ladder, it's very narrow. It might be long and high but it's narrow and that's not what this stairway was like this is not what Jacob saw what Jacob saw was massive it wasn't narrow at all it was wide it stretched it touched heaven and it touched earth at the same time and you know I don't like calling it a ladder because, you know, when you use a ladder, you get the sense that you're positioning it, the source is maybe from the bottom, and you're resting it somewhere up on top. But what Jacob sees here is not like that at all. What Jacob sees is a stairway, a staircase, and its source is in heaven, not on earth. The source is from heaven, and this huge staircase is resting upon the earth right in front of Jacob. And so Jacob doesn't even, you read it, Jacob doesn't call out for God. He doesn't say, God of my father, come to me. I don't know where I am. I'm uncomfortable. I'm scared. He doesn't even cry out for God. And so there's this, it's not like he is searching for the Yahweh God right now. But God sees Jacob. And he opens heaven. And he comes to Jacob. And on this heavenly stairway are angels. Now, if the massive staircase didn't freak Jacob out, this would have done it. Angels. And, you know, I love cute stuff. I love pretty things. But the angels that we read about are not like the angels we see on cards or even in the movies. And there's a reason why whenever an angel appears to people in the scriptures, the first thing out of their mouths is what? It's not, hello, I am here. What is the first thing out of their mouths when an angel comes visits a human being? It's fear not. There's a reason why one of the first things angels say when they encounter human beings is because the sheer sight of these heavenly beings is frightening. They're beautiful. They're glorious. And they're holy. And that is why it is terrifying to people. And so imagine this is not just one angel that comes on the staircase and appears to Jacob. It's a host. A host of angels. And it's so beautiful as it is described here. On this staircase, huge staircase, there are, there's a host of angels. And they're not just standing still. They're not just like levitated in the air. or They're not just standing still stationed at the staircase. They're moving. And they're not moving because they just want to move, because they need exercise, or they're just moving restlessly. They are moving with a heavenly purpose. It says the angels were ascending, ascending, and descending. And what that means is, I mean, these these angels are heavenly messengers, right? They don't just exist there. They have a purpose. And their purpose is this, to take messages from God to his people, And so, what they're doing as they're ascending and descending on the staircase is this. They are carrying and executing the king's decrees, purpose, his word, his promises, which means this. This is what Jacob sees that God is on the move. God is on the move. His purpose, his words, his will, his power, His reign, they're on the move. And that is what God reveals to Jacob in the middle of the night in a no-name place. And here's the truth. And I was just sharing this with our um, Wednesday like smaller group within the Bible study. And this is what I shared with them. Sometimes, I get so caught up in the busyness of life, don't we all? Like work, studying, relationships, just things. We get so caught up in these things that sometimes we forget who we are. And we actually forget that we're more than just flesh. We're actually spiritual beings. And so we forget that sometimes. That what takes place here on earth and how I live right now, here today, here on earth, has an influence in the heavenly realms. And what is taking place in this heavenly realm, in the spiritual realm, has an impact on my life and in this world here today. And sometimes we forget that. We know it. We know it because the Bible tells us so. We know it because we've experienced it, some of us. But we forget because we're forgetful people. And we need constant reminders. Hey, you are created with a spirit. You're a spiritual being. The way that you live here right now has an impact there in the heavenly realms, in the spiritual realm. And what happens there has an impact on my life today. I hope you don't forget that. It's easy to lose purpose and joy in our lives when we forget. That we're actually spiritual beings. Everything we do here has um, a purpose and a meaning because of that. And I want to share with you 2 Kings um, chapter 6. And in this passage, a Gentile king wages war against Israel. And this is during the time of Prophet Elisha's um, ministry. And... He gets frustrated, this Gentile king, because every time he has a battle plan and he tells his army to, like, go and position and get ready, it turns out the Israelites have already caught on. And he gets so upset, he turns to his own people, this Gentile king, and says, who among you is leaking our information to the other side? He's angry, And they say to him, king, it's not us, none of us here. It's actually the prophet Elisha. He's not here, he's there in Israel, but his God has been telling you what you say to yourself and what you think in your in the privacy of your room. And that is how the Israelites know. And so the king says, you know what? Then go find him. They locate where Elisha is, and at his command, they surround where Elisha is, that whole city, in nighttime. And in the morning, Elisha and his servant wake up and the servant sees, oh my goodness, we are surrounded. And he is scared. And he goes to, his, you know, Elisha, and he says, what are we going to do? And this is awesome. Elijah says to him, don't be afraid. Because those who are with us are far more than those who are with them. And the servant's like, what? It's just us, the two of us. They have an army. And so Elijah prays to the Lord. And Elisha says, God, open his eyes that he might see. And God indeed opens the eyes of the servant and what the servant sees. And the hill behind them, it's full of horses. And chariots of fire are surrounding Elisha. Truly, those who are with them are far more than those who are with the, with the other army opposite them. What Jacob thought was a still, quiet night. And when Jacob thought he was alone on this very still and quiet night, he actually sees when God opens his eyes that God is there. He is not alone. And that it is not still. And that God is on the move. And that God is working right there, right in front of Jacob. And what God tells him is that he has a message for Jacob. And this message doesn't come through an angel. It could have. But God is so gracious, God Himself goes to Jacob. He comes to Jacob, and God speaks directly to Jacob. And this is what the Lord says He says, I am the Lord. I am the Lord, the God of Abraham. The God of Isaac. And this is huge for Jacob at this point. Because all the years of Jacob's life up up until now, God had never appeared to Jacob directly. Ever before. All that that Jacob knew about God, all that Jacob knew of God's work and God's promises and God's words were things he had heard from his grandfather and his father. But here, God appears to Jacob, not only as the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac, but now he comes to Jacob as the God of Jacob. And here, in the middle of nowhere, when Jacob is on the run and he's not expecting it, not even asking for it, God establishes a relationship with Jacob. And it's, it's words of comfort, it's words of vision and hope, Considering where Jacob is at at that point, and he speaks the same promises that he spoke to Abraham, and he speaks the same promises he spoke to Isaac. And he says, I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. See, you thought you were just passing through this land. You thought this was an insignificant ground, nothing special about this place. But I'm telling you, I will give you and your descendants this very land you are lying on. And you thought you had left all your inheritance behind when you left your home? Well, this is what I tell you. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. You will spread out to the west, to the east, the north, and the south. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. That's grace. Jacob didn't do anything. Anything at this point to receive this. Nothing. It's just sheer grace. And what God is showing him is, I am a faithful God. The promises I gave to your grandfather, the promise I gave to your father, I now give to you. And I am faithful. Even in the midst of whatever place you are in at the moment. But God is so good that he gives Jacob even more. He receives, the, only, the first one to receive these words, the promise of God's presence. He, had, he didn't say this to Abraham. He didn't say this to Isaac. But to Jacob, he says, I am with you. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. And I will not ever leave you until I have done what I have promised. That's grace. And to be honest, this is new for Jacob. Because, I mean, we read about Jacob's life. From the moment he was born, maybe even before he was born, he strived so hard. He was born, he was born holding on to the heel of his brother because he wanted to be first. He tricked his brother into selling him his birthright. And then he tricked his father into giving him the blessing. This is a man who strives so hard to get what he wanted. He works so hard for himself. But isn't it interesting that the moment when Jacob is striving the least because he's sleeping, that's when the Lord comes to him. And that is when the Lord reveals his heart and his purpose to him. He might have thought God was distant. Maybe that's why he strives so hard. Maybe he thought, God is more interested in my grandfather, my father, and my brother. So I got I to work for myself. I got to help myself. I don't know. Maybe that's why Jacob worked so hard or strived so hard, tried so hard his whole life. And at this point, he might have thought, well, not only does God care about me less, but he might as well have forgotten me. And it is in that moment that God comes to Jacob. And I was just meditating on this this week. Because I think no matter how much we, we read the word and no matter how much we come to church and we worship, we have to admit there are times in our lives when we feel like God is distant. Maybe we won't say God is absent. But definitely there are times where we feel like God is distant. God is maybe um, Maybe not slumbering, but maybe God is really busy working on other people's lives that are more urgent. And my life and my needs and my desires and my whatever are on hold until he can fix everyone else's. Sometimes we feel like that because life happens. And sometimes we really do feel like, okay, perhaps God has just kind of passed over me. Maybe I'm too small and maybe my needs are too insignificant. God has just forgotten and he's so busy working in everyone's life. Well, I want to share with you today no matter how difficult and how isolated and however hopeless your situation might be today, God is here. And God is in this place. And he is working in your life. So stop striving so much. Maybe just surrender. And wait on God to do what only God can do. And wait on God to do and fulfill what He has promised to you. And so Jacob wakes up from this glorious dream. And everything is just the same. That ground is the same ground and the stone he used for the pillow is the same stone but everything is also very very different because something spiritual had taken place overnight something spiritual had taken place god appeared to jacob and now all these things that didn't have a meaning or a purpose before now has a new significance and a new purpose For Jacob, for who he is, what his life is to be about, and it gives a new significance and purpose even to the circumstance that Jacob finds himself in at that moment. And so that ground that was a no-name place is now Bethel, which is the house of God, and that stone that Jacob used as a pillow for his head is now a pillar that is used to worship and honor the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Everything is different because something spiritual took place and because God encountered Jacob and brothers and sisters, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob is your God today. Do you believe it? And just as God revealed to Jacob, he reminds you today that he is here. No matter how, No matter how still it seems in your life, no matter how distant God may seem, God is in this place. And while you cannot see it, God is on the move. Angels are ascending and descending. They are lifting up your petitions to the Lord Almighty. And they are carrying and executing the king's decrees and purpose and promises concerning your life today. So whatever place, whatever season you're in, good or bad, strive. If you strive for anything at all, strive to see God in that particular place or season you're in, good or bad. Don't be so hasty to move on, no matter how comfort- uncomfortable or painful it may be. Because God is doing something where you are at, in that place, in your life, right now. You know, something that God's been teaching me the past few weeks is this. I know it in the word. I know that God loves me. And I know that He is faithful to fulfill His promises concerning my life. But sometimes it's really hard to hope. And sometimes there is just no strength at all to lift your head up to see God beyond the darkness the stillness of the place that you are in but I tell you today by God's grace there is still enough strength for you to hope in God and by God's grace there is still strength today to hope in his move In your life and whatever season you're in when you acknowledge God's presence in it and when he reveals to you the work that he is doing though you may not understand it in full God breathes a new significance and a purpose to who you are at that moment what your life is about what even what your circumstances are about so jacob the trickster the fugitive he's given one of the most awesome and glorious visions and what jacob sees in his dream is not that the ladder was leaned up against heaven what he sees is that the ladder or the staircase Is coming from heaven and is resting upon the earth and in the midst of uncertainty of where he is and where he is going what Jacob sees is that God has come to him God has come to Jacob even before Jacob has learned to cry out for his God even before Jacob has repented and cleaned up his act God has come to Jacob And so he cries out after he wakes up, this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob couldn't have known exactly the the seriousness or the awesomeness of what he just said. But we now know what that really means and how God would come to us. In John chapter 1, Jesus is starting his ministry. And he is gathering, recruiting his disciples. And he sees Nathanael, and he says to Nathanael, you, you're a child of Israel, Jacob, in whom there is no deceit. And he turns to Nathanael at that point, and he basically says to him, what you will see is this, that Jacob's dream was actually about me. What you will come to see is that everything Jacob dreamed about is about to come true, Because I have come. And he says to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on me, the son of God. When we were still lost in our sin, before we knew to cry out to God. God came to us by sending his son Jesus. And Jesus laid his life for us for the forgiveness of our sins. And now Jesus doesn't just show us the way to the stairway. Jesus says, I am the stairway upon which you have access to the heavenly father. So we can have hope that a God who has gone to that Death to save us. Surely he is Emmanuel today. He is with you. He is in this place, and God is on the move. May we not become a people who just cruise along in life, but seek to understand and discern where you are at in life, because God has brought you to that point in his wisdom. May we be a people who constantly try to understand and discern what God is doing and how God is moving and what God is saying to me. Praise be to God. He is good. He is faithful. He is here. And he is at work in our lives and in this church. Let's pray together. For some of us, it's been way too long since we have yearned for the presence of God. For some of us, we have yet to encounter him for ourselves. And for some of us, we just need a greater desire for more of him. Whatever it is, seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his presence in this place. Seek his purpose and his will for your life. Seek God's heart and his purpose for the church today. Let's lift up these prayers unto him. Let's pray.